No Bull. Powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to NoBull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Let's go! We're back! Welcome in to the Wednesday edition away, Chris. of No Bull <laughs> with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. As you all can hear, he's back. He's been cleared. The doctors have let him in the building. His picture's not there on the webcam. We've we've got him in there. Jordan Simone is here. Like I said, welcome into the Wednesday edition of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. And and Sean, he heard the rumors all week. He heard them from Monday. He heard the stories, and he came in firing today on the show. Yeah, you can't you can't make the club in the tub, right? That's what I kept saying uh, in our previous show. <laughs> you, you can't make the club in the tub. So we needed our boy to step up, get back on the playing field. So Jordan Simone's fighting off the fever. He's here with us. Uh, and we couldn't be happier to have him finally here on the show. So welcome, Jordan, to your own podcast. Uh, you know what? Yeah, your it's, name's uh, on the a, thing. It, Thanks for showing up today. It's a damn pleasure to be here with you guys. And first and foremost, I just want to say, I cannot believe how much trash talk came out of your mouth last week, Sean Crespin. <laughs> hey, I, just I have... thought we were brothers. I thought we were partners. I thought we were <laughs> bros. And I, I tuned in the show. I can't wait to hear what these guys had. I've, I've, I've had a 101 degree fever all day. Maybe something this will... You know, lighten my spirits, and I'm just getting bad mouth. This guy's soft. He can't do it. Well, guess what? Today, Jordan flu game, but it's not Michael Jordan. It's Ooh. Jordan Simone. I'm going to be giving you some hot takes left and right. Feels good to be back. It's been a while since we've done a show together, so um, even though I'm still not feeling like myself, I'm going to try to give you the, the the best energy that I got. We appreciate it. And, you know, it's not like it's not necessarily that I was talking trash. I was just, you know, sometimes you have to be real. Oh, it was straight trash. We're, it was we're, straight we're trash. good enough friends. <laughs> where we got Sometimes you have to be real. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to say it like it is, right? I mean, that's a good teammate. You were a captain on ASU. I mean, you kept it real with everybody on ASU's roster when you were a captain of the team, right? Like, you just got to keep it real from time to time, Simone. So we're glad to have you here. We're glad to be back. But let's set the scene for the people who aren't watching this version of the podcast. So we've got Chris Schubert coming to us from Houston where he's working one of his yes. other jobs. His face is yes. as red as the shirt he has on right now from being out it's in the sun all day long. All that I'm wearing. Thank you. Jordan Simone just bought a brand new beautiful home in Arcadia and so he's he's in he's in this bright white beautifully lit room, little echoey, <laughs> but we're going to work on all that as the show goes on. But so we're yeah. you want to talk about a social distance podcast. You got a dude in Gilbert, Arizona, myself, you got Chris Schubert coming to you from Houston, Texas, and Jordan Simone up there in Arcadia fighting off the flu. But we're going to get through it. Schubert, you, uh, you work in two jobs? You work in, I'm to, work I, in this show? Technically, I'm working two at jobs a, at the same time, yes. I am working, working two at, jobs here at the same time. You're working here in Bed, Bath, and Beyond. No, not Bed, Bath, and Beyond, but I am here in there, Houston yeah, where it is what? just as hot as it is back there uh, in Phoenix where you guys are. Uh, guys, let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time. Jordan, you said you got the hot takes. Uh, Sean Crespin says he's the captain of the show on the second episode. <laughs> let's just get this thing started and let's tell everybody what is in the lead. This is the one they're talking about. Well, guys, busy day. Hope everyone's got a, a notepad, a, a pen, because there's a lot of stuff to write down here. And we are going to start with what we've learned today. Yeah, that Jordan, get that ready because you're going to need to take a lot of notes on this one. What on earth is going on with the Tennessee Titans, who have now had more positive COVID tests? And we've now learned that last week, after being told you can't get together for any workouts, you're shut down until we get this under control, they went and held a workout at a local high school yeah. there that I guess they had a connection with. Some of the players had a connection there. Right. And they went and practiced. And guys, 
this ain't good. No, no. And Jordan, I'm not being on the flu. I'm not sure how much you are up on this particular topic right now. But they now have 22 positive tests in their they're in their facility via players or staff members. 22 since the 24th of September when they had their first positive. So the NFL obviously shut them down. They moved the Steelers game to week seven. And you thought, okay, the Titans are laying low, right? Uh, no, apparently they weren't. Apparently there's footage that the NFL got their hands on from their own facility where they're not following protocols. Chris, as you mentioned, there's f- photographs of the team out practicing at local high schools while the facility shut down. Ryan Tannehill, by the way, being one of those guys, you would think the quarterback, the starting quarterback, might have a little more sense to, to, to maybe keep everybody in line. Uh, but no, not a good look at all. And now, now the question comes, and we're going to get more into this later on in the show, now the question comes, what penalty does the NFL levy to the, the Tennessee Titans? Because they've been memo after memo after memo warning these teams, and now you've got the Titans who right now have it running rampant, COVID-19, that is, through their, their locker room, and they're you're saying, you know, here's your rules, here's your memo, you know what you can do with them. Yeah, they're going to make an example for sure out of the Titans. The NFL in the league office will probably hit them with a hefty fine um, my thing is from a player's point of view, it's hard for me to say like, Oh, you know, those guys shouldn't have been out practicing on a high school field or whatever. Cause look, if you're a player and a teammate gets sick, you keep moving on. I mean, even if it's the flu, the flu runs through locker rooms all the time. I mean, you, you see guys get sick. Another guy gets sick. Cause you're, you're in close proximity. I mean, you're working out, you're touching the same weights, you're in and out of the same chairs, meeting rooms, this, that, and the other, you're sitting at lunch. Um, you know, you're talking with each other, you're close. So in that in that atmosphere, it's hard to be distant from each other. And then saying those guys, you know, it, it, they weren't supposed to be out there practicing. I mean, they're trying to get work in. They're trying to get ready for, for the next game and, and take advantage of time that they may have. And so, hey, let's get the receivers. If I'm Ryan Tannehill, let's get the receivers that are healthy, the running backs. Let's just go do like, you know, some seven on seven, run some routes just so we can stay stay up on it. So we're not all sitting at home for a week straight doing nothing while the rest of the teams are all practicing. That's great. And Schubert, I, I, I saw it in your face. I think you may agree with me here, and I'll give you, you know, hand it back over to you here in a second. But that's mm-hmm. wonderful, Jordan. I agree with that in any other time except for during a pandemic. And, when you know, when, when, when it's bigger than just making sure you stay loose in terms of the NFL not having to shut down, you know, or your team having to forfeit this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, that's what's on the line right now. Your team, who is 3-0, may have to forfeit a game against the Buffalo Bills because you've already used your bye week to move the Steelers game. Mm-hmm. So there's no other place right now to put this game against Buffalo unless the NFL creates some week 18 and make and maybe they get rid of the, the week break between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. Maybe the NFL you know eliminates that week, then creates a week 18 and just pushes everything back and gives you one more slot to maybe fit another COVID-19 postponement in. As of right now, you've used your bye week. There's nowhere else to put your game. So usually, yes, go stay loose. Don't sit around the house. Don't, you know. But in during a pandemic when what's on the line is you forfeiting a football game, I don't know. I don't know if you can just live like a normal year, Schubert. And let's segue this right into our next story because now it's not directly related, but the Tennessee Titans have had a breakout, and now the fear is that there could potentially be another breakout as Stephon Gilmore of the New England Patriots tested positive for COVID after testing negative in the lead-up to that Chiefs-Patriots game on Monday night. And this has to be, guys, 
the NFL's worst fear. They go through the whole weekend. They test everybody. They get the negatives that they need to get this game in. And then they get somebody who played in that game, test positive one or two days later. And there's that picture that's now going around, that video of Stephon Gilmore and Patrick Mahomes hugging it out after that game that Patrick Mahomes has now had to answer for and say, my bad, didn't mean to do that. And now you're worried about the Titans, but now you're worried about the Patriots and the Chiefs, and the NFL has to rein this in very, very quickly, or this is going to get out of control, Jordan. Here, here, look, the problem is that the incubation period for this, this, you know, for coronavirus or COVID is two to 14 days. So sometimes you could test a guy and he'll be, you know, he'll have COVID, but it'll still be incubating. So it won't show up for another, you know, three to the average is right around three to five days, but in Stefan Gilmore's case, it obviously was a lot longer. Um, and look, if I'm going to speak truthfully here, um, the data doesn't support this this uh, this pandemic like it did, you know, six months ago. And Sean, you and I haven't been on the show in a while. And when uh, when we were on our radio show, you know, before this all began, we were saying, you know, hopefully this just all ends quickly. You know, this seems pretty serious. Now the data has come out. Um, and I don't want to get too far into this, but it's 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 serious. It's it, this is COVID is serious. I've had it. I might have it again right now, but it's not bad. It's not. It's a flu. I mean, for these guys that are top athletes, you know, for pre-existing people, it's a problem. Stay safe. Stay inside. But for these athletes, you know, it's a flu. Yes, get them away. Get them away from the facility. But let's keep going. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And if you have a breakout like you do in Tennessee, okay, quarantine. And they might have to because because it hit them harder than anybody else. But when it gets to Stefan Gilmore, um, if it got to Patrick Mahomes, then they're going to have to go through the same thing. Everybody's fighting against it um, yep. all around the country. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's blown out of proportion. I think there's a lot of fear involved. There's a lot of fear tactics, try to scare people. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to live your life. You got to go to work. You got to you got to do your job. And, um, you know, so I I think, uh, you know, if it if it spreads, it spreads. You still got to continue to work and you just got to you got to get away from people if you if you do have it. You sound like Rocky Four. If he dies, he dies. That's what you just sounded like. You sound like uh, no, which, which is not. <laughs> no. Uh, who is the quarterback that said that? Hey, if I die, I die. Right. Is it, it, was Kirk, it was it was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah, again, I'm, I'm this, not Kirk Cousins. Though. This is something we're going to dive into a little bit more later on in the show. But you were worried enough. The Patriots were to fly two planes. To Kansas City on Monday night, right? You you get the positive test uh, with with Cam Newton on Saturday. You are able to push the game back 28 hours from Sunday to Monday, but you're still worried enough about it that you fly not one but two planes Monday morning out to Kansas City. You had one plane where anybody who maybe had been around Cam Newton is on that plane. You had another plane for the rest of the staff and the rest of the players on that team. Yet you were still okay with putting them in the same locker room and on the same football field contradictory so we'll get it more into what the nfl needs to do and whether or not they need to change their own policies later on in the show but it's uh it's it's becoming a really sticky sticky situation for the nfl moving forward that's for sure we've seen a lot of money two teams line. make there there is a lot of money that the nfl uh is going to try to make uh this season and they're going to need the season to continue in order to do that two teams are in the news in the national football league because of, the, because of quarterback changes, and not because of any quarantining or any COVID-related outbreaks on teams. No. First, we will start with my New York football Jets, who because of a injury to the shoulder of Sam Darnold, he will not be playing this week against the Arizona Cardinals. It will be Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco who will be, uh, will be in there playing football. And, and guys, 
What else can you say about the Sam Darnold tenure uh, in New York? He's gone through multiple different head coaches, multiple different coordinators. He's had the mono. Now he's got this shoulder injury. He cannot catch a break there in New York, Sean. And, and you wonder if at the end of year three, uh, this might be the end of the Sam Darnold tenure in New York. Um, I, no, I'm not going to go that far because you're gonna. it's going to be the end of Adam Gase's tenure in New York. And if you're going to attract any head yeah, coach— if you're going to attract any head coach to come take over that job, you know, you guys, first of all, have a ton of draft picks because of the Jamal Adams trade, who, by the way, also out this weekend for Seattle again. Uh, but you have a ton of draft picks. And I believe, and I think this is the thought process of most people among, around the league, football people, Sam Darnold can play the game. Sam Darnold's a quality quarterback. He just needs to have the right situation there in New York. So if you're going to try to attract a, a quality head coach to replace Adam Gase, Sam Darnold's going to be one of those bargaining chips. So, no, I don't think it's the end of Sam Darnold's tenure in New York. Definitely it's the end of Adam Gase's tenure. But I'm going to take those draft picks. I'm going to take Sam Darnold, a young quarterback that I don't think his talent's been tapped yet. And I'm going to attract an Eric Bieniemy or somebody out there that I think can take a quarterback to the next level and use those as bargaining chips uh, in New York. But I'll tell you this. If you're the Arizona Cardinals playing the Jets this weekend, I don't think this is really a, a good thing. Uh, having a quarterback come in, in in Joe Flacco that you haven't seen since last year when he was in Denver. And to be perfectly honest, um, not a terrible backup to have come in if you're uh, if you're the New York Jets, a guy that's got a Super Bowl ring. Say what you want about him, but still a sixty yeah. still a 65% completion guy last year. He had six touchdowns to five interceptions. Didn't have a lot around him in Denver, but the guy can still play. So, you know, it, it's not like you guys are losing a whole heck of a lot with the New York Jets uh, with, with Sam Darnold going down. I don't believe right now with Joe Flacco. Pretty good backup to have there. And, and, I, I and Jordan, I think... the, other, the other quarterback situation that we want to talk about is in Washington with the Washington football team. Dwayne Haskins, not just demoted from being the starter, but demoted from being able to even put on a jersey and hold a clipboard on the sidelines as Alex Smith has been elevated from third quarterback to second quarterback. Kyle Allen is getting the start there in Washington. Ron Rivera knows him very well from his days in Carolina. I mean, I, I know I said that the Sam Darnold era might be over in New York, but the Dwayne Haskins era might be over in Washington. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that he's proved that he's capable of being, you know, that franchise quarterback. But again, it's the same thing with Sam Darnold. They're not on very good teams. They didn't have a lot of help around him. Um, you know, and, and I, I do want to touch on on the Jets deal later in the show. Um, but with Ron Rivera, he's comfortable with Kyle Allen. He, he was coached him in, in Carolina when they put a couple wins together. Um, and it was looking like Kyle Allen was about to get paid. And then he lost, you know, several games in a row. And then he didn't seem like the guy that maybe people thought he was. So I think it's they're in very similar situations. I like Sam Darnold better. I think Sam Darnold's a better quarterback. Um, and Dwayne Haskins will get picked up by a team. And who knows? Look at Patrick Mahomes in the right situation with the Chiefs. If Dwayne Haskins can get on the right situation, a coach that likes you know, what he brings to the table, he could be really successful. And, and our last story here, here, Sean, the, and this is a, an NBA story. We snuck an NBA story here into in the uh -huh. first four, all revolving around the NFL. And I guess I owe you an apology because – we can't call him Jimmy Finals now because the mm -hmm. Lakers took care of business in Game 3. They take a 3-1 series lead. It was just Jimmy Buckets. He didn't show up and have that monster performance to, to push the Heat over the top. And I don't want to say this series is over because we saw the Heat win a game, but it certainly looks like the Lakers are, are just going to 
put their foot on the gas pedal and end this thing in game five. Yeah, Jordan, I, well, while you were on the IR with the unknown illness that you're still battling over there in, in Arcadia, uh, we, we were talking about game 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 three, or sorry, excuse me, yeah. game four, and uh, and Schubert said, I'm ready to I'm ready to name Jimmy Buckets Jimmy Finals if he plays like that again. Jimmy and Finals. I told him they win another game. If he dumps 40 again, we can go ahead and call him Jimmy Finals. But listen, not the uh, not the case. They, I'll, I'll give you this. Their game, though, to have to be as beat up as, as, as the Heat are and to still take that game, game four, late into the fourth quarter and have an opportunity to shoot a late bucket for the lead. Um, yeah, that is a scrappy, young basketball team that's not going anywhere in the East for a while. you got to tip your cap to Pat Riley. And I'm talking like the series is over because it is. Yep. But the uh, okay. you got to tip your cap to Pat Riley. you got to tip your cap to that young basketball team because they. I'll tell you this, they are scrappy. Uh, and I like what they're putting together there. And if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, as we're locally here in Arizona, you're talking about a basketball team that built a lot of it through the draft, right? It's not a super team. It's not a team where... You know, three superstars recruited each other and got together, and there they are in the NBA Finals, and they're competitive. You know, if you're a, if you're a team like the Phoenix Suns, who is always going to struggle to bring guys in, superstars in via free agency or even trades, to see a team that put themselves together primarily through the NBA draft and didn't bring in a super team, they're building it with culture. That's that's a positive if you're a Phoenix Suns fan here locally where we're broadcasting in Arizona. So uh, or any of those teams out there that are trying to get over that hump as a coaching, as a, though, as a, yeah, as a culture team. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, Jordan. the culture. Uh, Eric Spolstra, we gave we, we used to just call him a babysitter, right? Of the big three guy can coach, man. Dude's a legitimate NBA basketball yes. coach. And, and, and so tip yes, your cap to him, coach. tip your cap, cap to Riley. Um, nobody had the heat when they entered the bubble coming out of the east. And then and then and then playing competitive basketball in the finals against LeBron James and company. So tip your cap to him. And yes, I'm talking like the series is over, because it is. Sorry, it just is. Do you, but do it, you but think they get one more win? No, no, Ooh. no. LeBron and company want to get the hell out of the bubble, man. Are you kidding? They're everything. Everything. Maybe they, they have, want to get out too soon. Everything though, they have they in lose game focused. Five. Well, they're they're hungry, they're you can't pass this one, Jordan. You can't sleep on Jimmy buckets and the Heat. Tyler Hero come out and drop 30. Duncan Robinson will hit some clutch threes here and there, but they just play hard. They're scrappy. They're fun to watch. I think it I think basketball needs more teams like that. Less less flopping, more, you know, playing hard. I like Jay, uh, Jay Crowder, uh, who, who's just he's plays nasty. He, he's hard fouling LeBron. LeBron doesn't like it. I love that. I think there should be more of that in basketball. Um, but the Heat have been really fun to watch. Without a doubt, the most fun team to watch in the bubble. Um, but I agree with you, Sean. The Lakers will probably wrap this one up. I think the next game is going to be really close. I think it's going to come down to the last shot. Um, and then the Lakers will win the next game if, if they lose. And I think, guys, even though the Heat might lose this series 4-1, I think we all think the Lakers are going to take this one in, in Game 5. Uh, the Heat got through an Eastern Conference that included the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors, so they deserve a lot of credit for even getting this far when a lot of people didn't expect them to, and they've kind of created a window for themselves to potentially compete for future Eastern Conference championships and finals appearances, and maybe even winning a championship down there uh, in Miami. That's going to do it for In the Lead. Coming up next, Kyler Murray finds himself in the record books. But does it show that Cliff Kingsbury has already kind of been outed as an offensive genius? That's next on No, on no Bull with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. 
You know, Schubert and Simone, let me tell you a little bit about Earnhardt Auto Centers. Jordan, I don't, I don't have to tell you anything about Earnhardt Auto Centers. As, uh, My boys. Yeah, absolutely. Locally owned and operated since 1951. Proud partner of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. 19 Arizona locations, 21 dealerships, 17 brands. Doesn't matter if you're north, south, east, or west. Wherever you're at in the valley, Earnhardt's got you covered for that new vehicle you've got your eye on. And with the current times of social distancing, this is something you actually you actually uh I got to experience there, Jordan. The Noble Express option at Noble.com can make the entire buying process an absolute breeze from right there in your home. From test driving a vehicle that they'll bring out to you, Jordan had an opportunity to do that, to uh, your application process, to delivering your new ride. It's an absolute breeze right there at your front door. Don't even have to leave the house with the Noble Express option as well. Earnhardt Names, a name you know you can trust. It's been a 68-year commitment from their family to yours. Earnhardt Auto Centers and Noble.com. That ain't no bowl. I love it. Huber. Well, guys, I mentioned that Kyler Murray finds himself in the record books, and, and credit to the wonderful stats team uh, that supports Noble, Chris, Crespin, and Simone. We have a, a wonderful staff that puts together these numbers for us. And I'm you looking here of in front of me. Yeah, hundreds of people working uh, on the staff here, getting everything Around handled. And, and I'm just going to read this one to you guys. I got to look down on my phone to make sure that I get it right. But I want your instant reaction uh, to this, Sean Crespin. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, uh, last week, uh, the least amount of yards with, with 24-plus completions. I think he had, what, like 117 yards in, in that game last week. If you look at the, the list of the least amount of yards with 24-plus completions since 1950, Kyler Murray finds himself on that list twice. Yeah, not once. He's in the top five twice. Right. Not once, but twice. On that list. Yeah, and this was a stat that made its way around this week that, you know, a lot of talk about the Arizona Cardinals offense guys just being horizontal, right? A lot of east-west, not much north-south. They tried to push the issue, tried to, tried to, uh, try to you know, take a couple shots early. They missed Fitz. They missed Andy Isabella at one point, and it kind of like they almost went into a shell at that point. Uh, it's so Kyler Murray, not necessarily a stat you want to be associated with, where, yeah, you had 24 completions, you had, you know, you had three touchdowns when it was all said and done, but your overall output was historically low for a guy that completed 24 passes. And this is something, like you mentioned, Schubert, has now happened twice. Is it a problem? You know, and then when you look at, at what the Arizona Cardinals are doing offensively, Cliff Kingsbury wants to put the whole thing on him. Hey, listen, I'm the play caller. I got to do a better job calling plays, uh, maybe sticking up for his quarterback, but... When you watch this Arizona Cardinals offense and it's not finding a rhythm, it appears they have nowhere else to go. Is that a play-calling situation? Is that Kyler Murray still learning on the job? The guy didn't play a lot of college football, right? He's only in, what, game 20 of his career. Uh, What do you point to? Because the last two weeks, it almost looks like the Cardinals offense has been exposed a little bit and they really don't have an answer. Look, Kyler Murray's a stud. At the end of the day, if the, your defense can't stop a nosebleed, it's going to be hard to, to build up momentum and score. Their, their, their defense was getting drug up and down that field all game long. They couldn't stop anybody. They were struggling to get a pass rush. Um, and so to ask your offense saying, hey, you know, you got, it's, it's on the offense. And look, Coach, Coach Kingsbury is going to give you what every coach should, right? It's on me. I call the plays. Yeah. Or, you know, even if it's a defensive coach, hey, it's on me. You know, I call the plays. But at the end of the day, you got to show up. You got to show up and play. It can't be one week, can't be two weeks. That's why the Patriots have been so good for as long as they have, is because it doesn't matter who they're playing, where they're playing, 
what time they're playing. If they show up to the game on Monday and play, they're still going to put up a good fight because they're well coached. Their organization does things a certain way. And that's what the that's what the Cardinals are working towards, right? Building that culture. Same thing that we talked with the Heat and the Suns um, wanting to build a culture like that. You've got to have a culture that no matter where you go, no matter where it is, what time it is, you're going to show up, you're going to play your kind of football. And you know what team does that right now better than anybody else in the NFL? Sean, guess. Please, te- do not say the Seattle Seahawks. Now, you know where he's going the with Seattle, this. This is his first time on the show. Yeah. The Seattle easy. Seahawks will travel across the country and play better than any other team. Look at their record from traveling to the East Coast. They, ne- they, they didn't lose all last year traveling to the East Coast, I'm pretty sure. That's impressive, man. That's a, that's a really impressive stat. You know what that tells you is that these guys are ready to go. They're prepared. And, I'm, and the Cardinals are capable of that. They have a young team, though. They have a young team. They, they have to get a core group of young leaders that mold into the system and believe in themselves, um, you know, and, and not just think that somebody else is going to do it, but all show up together and each, each of them do their job. But but Jordan, the where where I would push back with you on that, and and I agree, right? The defense was a problem on Sunday, and they allowed the Carolina Panthers to go up and down the field, sixty yard drives, seventy yard drives. They they couldn't stop the three of us if we were running uh, an offense oh, against the Arizona Cardinals defense. No, I think away. Sean could still sling it. I can sling uh, it a Sean bit. could sling it. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, we could get some yards against. The Sean Cardinals would defense. tear both of his but, hamstrings first play. <laughs> but on the other side. It, there weren't points put on the board, but the Cardinals didn't pass the eye test on offense. It didn't look like they were getting any sort of rhythm. It looked like they were yeah. lost. If if they were able to move the ball and drives just weren't finishing well down in the red zone, that's one thing. Okay, you're getting unlucky. The other team's coming up with a big stop, right? Things like that happen. This this is something that could plague a team for the entire year, where if their defense does play extremely well, holds the opponent to 17, 21 points, if they play like they did against Carolina, they're not even going to win those games. So this is more of a long-term yeah. thing rather than just this one game in particular. And, and Sean, I just don't think they passed the eye test. I don't care what the final score was, just the eye test they failed. Well, this it, week. it feels like they don't have more than one out. And what I mean by that is they come to the they come to the table with a game plan and when it's not there, they can't really make adjustments. You know, and and that's why I lean towards and agreeing with Coach Kingsbury when he puts it on himself that he's gotta be better when they get different looks, which is something that he's he's brought up. Um, but at the same time, when somebody asks you, hey, you know, you kept going vertical with the passing game and it wasn't working, why did you decide to continue to stick with it? He said, I don't have an answer for that, which makes me wonder, okay, are you covering for the, for the young quarterback? Maybe there were shots. Maybe there were things open downfield. You know, I haven't watched the All-22. I don't know. Maybe there were shots that they tried to take, and, you know, Kyler more comfortably kept things underneath. Maybe he's covering for the quarterback, or maybe they just didn't have a game plan that was capable of adapting to what was going on during the flow of the game. But 133 yards on 24 completions is the lowest total output of any quarterback who's completed 24 or more passes since 1950. He's also on the top five of that list at at the number four spot when he had 150 yards passing on 24 completions against the San Francisco 49ers last year. So this isn't something we've only seen this year. It's been a problem going back to last year as well. Um, In my opinion, that's something that... Hopefully they'll be able to grow out of one concern I had coming into the season was guys. Listen, yes, Kyler was their offensive rookie of the year last year. 
yes, Cliff Kingsbury looked like he was growing as a play caller as the season went on. But now NFL defenses have a full 16-game season of tape on you. How do you progress as a play caller? How do you progress as an NFL quarterback to take the next step? Right now, it looks like they're struggling to do that. I'll be honest, and Jordan, you would know better than I would, but when you've got a quarterback that can scramble and get out of the pocket the way Kyler Murray does, you're going to see a lot of zone coverages because you don't, you can't have guys in the secondary like yourself turning their back to the quarterback and slip. There he goes. So from the Lions game through the, the Panthers game, it looked like he was seeing a lot more zone coverage and was just unsure, didn't trust his eyes, didn't want to pull the trigger, didn't want to go downfield. So, and again, I'm just playing armchair quarterback here. I didn't play the game at the level you did, Jordan, but that, that's what I see from afar. Uh, and until they can find a way to get beyond those hurdles, I think you're going to continue to see them struggle. The good news is, the good news is, if you need to get right, find the Jets on your calendar. And luckily for them, they get them this week. Easy there. Easy yeah. there. <laughs> okay, easy. Save that for Friday show when I'm All there. Right. I'll hang okay? on to it. I'll hang on to it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. forgot Schubert's a Jets but, fan. That's a terrible well, it's, team. It's an unfortunate side effect of, of being from New York. Yeah. But I, I think, Sean, I think you, you do bring up a, a good point that it could be Cliff covering for Kyler. But at what point does a coach kind of have to get out of the way and, and let Kyler sink or swim here, right? I mean, you, you take the floaties off, put him in the deep end, and he's either going to figure it out or he doesn't. Because, Jordan, you say he's a star, he's a superstar, no issues here, Kyler Murray is going to be the, the future of the Cardinals. If that's the case, then Cliff shouldn't have to cover for him. That shouldn't have to be a thing. Yeah, I mean, look, any, any coach-quarterback combo, if the quarterback plays bad, the coach is going to take the blame for it because if chances are if you're an NFL coach, you're taking the blame for every loss and every win, you're giving the, the praise to somebody else. So, hey, you know, hey, coach, great win. You know, what would you guys do? Hey, you know, our quarterback played great. How about our running back? He scored two touchdowns. You know, so that's just how the game works. You have to understand that. Then you get behind closed doors and you really find out where mistakes are made watching the tape. Um, and so you can, I bet you Kingsbury goes back and goes with, with Kyler. They probably sit down after the games and go, Hey, you know, this is where we could have made a you know correction here. One, two, why isn't the ball out? You know, little corrections like that. And with Kyler Murray, the, the sophomore slump deal is real. And I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is having a sophomore slump, but the reason guys do is because they, they have success early and maybe because they go two and zero to start the year, they beat the 49ers, the NFC champions. They're thinking, Oh, Oh shit, we're we're legit. We're the real deal. We could play, man. And now all of a sudden they stop doing the little things that they were. They they stopped thinking that they were the underdog and that people were counting them out. And so they just if I'm Kingsbury, I'm saying just do the little things right. Kyler, go through your progressions. Don't try to make, don't try to throw a uh, don't try to score on every single play. Let's get five yards here. Let's get 10 yards here. Okay, now deep shot. You know what else helps? A run game. Every time I saw a run. It, they did not move the ball down the field. And you got to give credit to the Panthers for that because they were stretching out the ball. They were forcing Kenyon Drake to go outside. And there's so much speed in the NFL that if you, if you push somebody out, there's speed coming up. There's safeties, there's corners, there's linebackers. They're able to go side to side really quick. So I think their, their defensive game plan was solid for them. As, as Sean mentioned, you know, they, they, they threw in some zone there. But at the end of the day, it's Kyler Murray making correct decisions and the receivers making plays. It's, it's all 11 guys that have to come together, but, but Kyler Murray is the star quarterback of this team. He's, he's, it's not going to be easy by any means. They're going to have some look. Look, hold on. We're talking about the Cardinals that won four games last year, and everyone's expecting them to be a Super Bowl team this year. Five. Yeah. Five games, whatever. Like, 
Come on, let's be realistic about this. They're going to lose some games. They're going to lose some games that they probably should have. They're a young football team. They have a young quarterback, a young head coach. It's going to happen. They're going to work through this. They're going to mature, and they're going to get better. Yeah, you know, and and, uh, it might be – I don't even say it might be, guys. I think it is a little bit more pressure for Kyler Murray in year two based on the fact that we've seen the year two explosion from the last two NFL MVPs, right? Uh, with Patrick yeah, Mahomes yeah. and Lamar Jackson, it was the year two explosion. So I think Arizona Cardinal fans were hoping you might get that same deal out of out of Kyler Murray. And for the first two weeks, you saw him do some pretty electric things with his legs and so forth. But you have to remember, and I mentioned this in the in the uh, in the lead segment, he has played significantly less football than either of those two guys. The amount of college football in the, at the D one level that Patrick Mahomes played and Lamar Jackson played. Kyler Murray didn't play anywhere near the amount of football that those two guys did. So he's a little bit behind the eight ball still there learning the position. Um, So it may be expectations are a little bit through the roof, maybe a little bit too high for him in year two. Uh, You you can see it. He's got a live arm. He's electric with his legs. Uh, It's going to come down to between the ears, I think, for whether or not he he truly becomes what I think we all think he can be. But uh, as of right now, there's some hurdles there that, that both Cliff and Kyler are going to have to get over because defenses are ahead of them each of the last two weeks. Uh, and so it's not going to get any easier, especially in this division, the NFC West. Oh, no, it isn't, right? I mean, and that's the, that's the other part about this. When you play teams like the teams you've played over the last two weeks, you kind of feel like you have to win those because it's going to be tough playing the Rams twice a year. It's going to be tough playing Jordan's favorite Seattle Seahawks twice a year. It's going to be a tough time, uh, despite the injuries, playing the two-time and uh, the defending NFC champion two times a year, right? So that's something that is built into what this Cardinal team has to face on a yearly basis, that the NFC West is probably one of the stronger divisions in all of football, and they have have to kind of navigate through these yeah i I think it is the strongest i was trying to be you know maybe fair to some other divisions like the nfc south no that's the strongest but but they they have to go through the schedule and find wins like against detroit like against carolina with a first-year head coach and a new quarterback i know it was a road game but that just felt like one that they that they could and should have had and i know sean you and i talked about this on monday but these are things that I think have to be growth points for both Cliff and Kyler. And they'll get there. I think they'll learn from something that has happened over the last two weeks. And sure, I'll raise my hand and I'll say it. They get the Jets this week, right? The the perfect opportunity to potentially have a get-me-right game playing a team that's playing a backup quarterback in Joe Flacco, a bad coach in Adam Gase in a defense that talk about letting people go up and down the field. Teams have been going up and down the field against the Jets for the last five years. So certainly an opportunity uh, for them this week. The Titans have new positive COVID tests. The Patriots have a new positive COVID test. Will it force the NFL to rethink their COVID protocols? That's next on Noble with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Gentlemen, it's been a long day if you are an NFL fan with the news that we have learned from both Tennessee and New England. And I don't know which one of these you guys want to start with. I think the Tennessee one's a little more interesting because of the potential repercussions that could come from this. And we mentioned it a little bit in the lead that the Tennessee Titans, who had their game postponed against the Steelers over the weekend because of a a, uh, wrath of COVID-19 positive tests, I believe the number last week got up to 18 uh, during the week, and that ultimately led to the postponement of that game. But we learned today that last week after the NFL came in and told them, hey, 
You can't get together. You can't work out. We have to do contact tracing. We have to get all these tests. We have to see who's positive, who's not. You guys got to stay away from each other. You can have meetings via Zoom, but you cannot meet in person. We learned that they did just that like the next day after the NFL sent them that memo. And it puts a major red flag because they've had more positive tests. I think one or two more today. And they're talking, guys. And, Sean, I'll start with you on this one about forfeiting games for the Tennessee Titans because of this. So I'll start here. Do you think the NFL, after seeing what has happened over the last six to ten days, feel that they need to go and reevaluate these COVID protocols because of what we're seeing across the league right now? Well, as we're recording this on Wednesday night, there were two more today. Their total numbers at 22 since their first test on, on the 24th. What makes it unfortunate, guys, they were set to reopen their facility today. They had back-to-back days with no new positive tests. They were set to reopen the facility today, and bam, two more new new uh, new positive tests came in. So they had to scratch that, keep things closed, and go forward. the The unfortunate part for the Tennessee Titans is they've already used up their bye week. They were supposed to play the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, uh, but because of the positive test, they postponed that game. And the NFL and the Titans got lucky on this one because the Steelers and the Ravens they were set to play each other in Week Seven. And then both the Steelers and Ravens had a bye week in week eight. So what the NFL was able to do was simply take the Steelers and Ravens game that was scheduled for week seven and move it to week eight. And then take the Steelers and Titans game that was supposed to be played this week, put it at week seven and just tell the Steelers and Titans, listen, take a bye this week. Well, now you don't have any more wiggle room. If you're the Titans, if you're the Tennessee Titans, unless they create some type of a extra week where we can place games, you're out of wiggle room, man. So Now you're up against it. And I know that on Monday, the league put out a new memo saying that they would include up to forfeitures of games if you had, if you were able to be, if it was able to be proven that you were, you know, violating protocols and then you wound up having an outbreak. But according to ESPN today, and again, we're recording this episode on Wednesday, forfeitures are not yet on the table. Right. So they're trying to find ways to get to, to make this happen without having to forfeit games, which I think is the right call because, Though the Titans blatantly, blatantly just disregarded NFL protocols, guys out at private schools working out when the facility's closed, the NFL has video of them in the facility not following NFL protocols as well. They blatantly just gave the middle finger to all the NFL protocols. Even though that's the case, if you're the NFL, you don't want to taint the integrity of the season. A 3-0 and team and you give the first loss of their year via a forfeiture? Like, you got to do everything you can to avoid that. And I think the NFL will. But they have to come down hard on them. Draft picks being taken away. Fines probably for the, for the franchise as well. Something has to come down hard from the NFL because you have to make a statement. But forfeiture, I think, at that point, you're hurting your own product beyond what the team already did. You know what I'm saying? So find a way to make it work. If you absolutely can't, you may have to go the forfeiture route. But, uh, you know, it's... To me, that's the that's the last resort. Should be the last resort, Jordan. I don't know where you're at on that. Yeah, I don't know. I think taking draft picks is 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 probably a little bit is too much. I think a fine, a hefty fine to the organization um, is the way to make an example. You start you start getting into draft picks and look. These at the end of the day, it's it's COVID is spreading and it's hard to control. No matter how safe you try to be or not, yep, um, it, it's out there and it, it it finds a way sometimes just to to get one person sick and then it spreads from there. Sure. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to maintain social distancing or not. 
or wearing a mask, sometimes you just get sick. And so I don't think that it's, you know, it's not that they're all, all their players are going out to bars or, you know, hanging around a bunch of people. I think no. they're all being very, very uh, cautious. And so to take draft picks is, is a little bit too much in my opinion. But they're blatantly but Jordan, violating rules. And I think that's where you're going. And, yes, that's exactly where I'm going. because, And I'm going to push back on your original point, Sean, because mm-hmm. I would even be okay, and I'm going to put that in air quotes for those of you watching the video version. I'm going to put this in air quotes, that I would be okay if they were working out on the side before the outbreak happened, and then the outbreak happened, and then they've shut everything down. They did it the next day after a memo got to them and said, stay away from each other. That's not being cautious. That's not yeah. doing what you're supposed to do, right? And Jordan, I agree with you. They're not go at least we don't know as of this point. They're not going out and, and, and partying at bars like we saw in Major League Baseball, right? That was the, the rumors that were floating around both the Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals that guys were going out and they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were hanging out at the hotel bar, they were going out, you know, dancing. They were doing things that were putting them at risk. We don't know what caused the outbreak in Tennessee, right? They could have been following every procedure that is listed for them that led to the outbreak. But all we know are the decisions that have been made since the outbreak got to Tennessee, and they are against the rules that the NFL gave to them, the protocol that they were told to follow. So I'm in a position where I sit here and go, if because of that the Titans can't play the game on Sunday against the Bills, you're gosh darn right they're forfeiting the game. Because that's their decision. They put themselves in this spot. The NFL gave them a get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay, one time, you have an outbreak. We know that this was going to happen. We built it into the season. We can make the bye weeks work. You're good. The second time, after we told you what not to do, no, you don't get an excuse. You don't get another get-out-of-jail-free card. You have to be punished for that. You find the organization, players aren't going to care about that. right? You're going to find the players. A lot of Those players make millions and millions of dollars. What's going to be a fine high enough that's going to make these players think twice about it. Now, the Patriots situation is a little different with Stephon Gilmore because they went through the NFL protocol entirely after Cam Newton tested positive. They got tested. The game got postponed. They continued it to get tested. And then Stephon Gilmore, after playing the game and testing negative, test positive two days later. There's nothing the Patriots, or the Chiefs, or the NFL can do in that spot, right? Those were the rules set up and things went awry. Now, the NFL might have to look at changing their protocol, but they followed the protocol for that game, and it it just so happened that the way this virus works, because it's not an exact science right now, these positives are coming back after the fact. Yep, the delayed positives, guys, I think is where the NFL is going to have to rethink this matter, because yes, Gilmore was fine, right, according to the tests, when they left New England and went and played Kansas City. But then after the game, now we find out that he did test positive. Uh, And there's video and pictures of him bro-hugging it up with Patrick Mahomes afterwards. You're telling me that Kansas City Chief fans right now aren't on pins and needles, you know, puckered up a little bit, hoping that their quarterback didn't catch it and now he'd have to sit out. So the NFL needs, I I think, probably needs to rethink how quickly they're willing to play these games. When you have a positive test on a Saturday, all right, let's... All contact tracing. Let's see if we can push this game back. Do what you can, but you got to do it more than 48 hours. I will, or more than 28 hours is all they postponed that game for. Uh, it, it listen. It's a tricky situation for the NFL to, f- to figure out. And I agree with Jordan. Are these are the are the athletes in a in a, in a, in immediate danger? They're probably on the extreme low end of people who are. But the NFL can't have that as a risk of, of these guys, you know, all of a sudden it just runs rampant yeah. through the league. They just can't have that. So they have to come down hard on these guys. But 
the the Patriots one is different. It, it is interesting, Chris, because you had the positive from Cam on Saturday. You know, you 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 go through protocol, you immediately remove him. But man, I said it in the in the lead segment. If you were worried enough to feel like you had to take two planes to the game, you you probably shouldn't have played that game. And now we have to go through the 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 waiting process of whether or not you know Stefan Gilmore was the only player on that field that was positive. And now do we have Kansas City Chiefs with an issue? And, and they did have one, by the way. I don't think it was directly related to this situation. Uh, the Raiders have one as well. Uh, Mo Hurst tested positive today, defensive defensive tackle for the Raiders. Uh, and those two teams are supposed to play each other this week. So does that game happen? You know, so there's uh, do the Patriots do the Patriots play against the Broncos this weekend? You know, so the NFL is going to have to rethink their their overall protocol, I believe, because you, you you let you let those two teams go play, even though you were worried enough to have two planes flying out to Kansas City. And Jordan, these are two different situations, but the NFL kind of has to treat them in the same basket right now to try to get everybody under the umbrella and following the rules and potentially tweaking the rules to be able to get this right. And and I want to get your thoughts on this take in particular. The NFL, out of all the four major sports, had the longest lead time to come up with protocols. And, and nobody said that the NFL was going to be perfect and there wasn't going to be a single positive test at all, right? Unless they went into a bubble, that wasn't going to be a thing. But it certainly feels that they had all of this lead time, and yet here we are trying to figure out how to reschedule games, how they're going to do this, do they have enough time? And it feels like these are scenarios that they could have easily worked out in the months leading up to the season starting. Yeah, you know, that's tough because it's easy for us to sit here and go, you know, well, maybe they should have done this or that. But a lot of these circumstances aren't thought of, you know, before they until they happen. Right. So they said, all right, the Titans. All right. Somebody this is what happens. We send out a memo. Everyone goes home. Everybody stays away from each other. What they didn't think of is that, oh, guys are going to want to go work out still together. So they go. That's something that they did not think about. And then they get. It gets even worse for them. And so the NFL goes, okay, great. Now we got to figure out, you know, what to do. So no other team does this. So there's so much that goes into this. And I, I feel like I've been saying this for the past six months is it sounds, you know, it's, we're, we're so quick to be critical of the NFL or, or how they're handling things, but the job that they have is impossible. The job yep. that they have to, to try to figure out, Okay, what we're going to do if this happens or this happens or this happens. There's a thousand different things that could happen. How can you have a scenario for each one of those? Yes, you can put a plan in place. Yes, you can put a plan in place for for A, B, C, D, but you can't you can't have a scenario figured out for every single situation. So, you kind of just got to take what, what what you're given and and you know, make make lemonade out of the lemons that that you're being handed. And it's not going to be good lemonade. There's going to be no sugar in it. It's probably going to taste a little bit more like piss. It's not going to be good. Uh, you're not wrong. You know, and, and listen, Chris, I go back to, and Jordan, you and I were, were talking about this on the radio show when we were doing the, the radio show together before this podcast. Uh, back in March, Major League Baseball thought they had an idea of what COVID was going to look like. So they went ahead and made, an, they made a deal with the players union uh, financially that once things started to progress with COVID-19 and what it actually became – Became one, that became one of the biggest hurdles they had to actually play in baseball this year was the, pre, the, the negotiation they made in March that they never should have made because there was too many unknowns. So when you say the NFL had the most time to get things ready, you're not wrong. They did. But there's so many things that were changing daily. 
that it, like, I agree mm. with Jordan. It would have been nearly in impossible. our own government, in yeah. our own government, all the different governments, right? Like, so all the different state run, you know, all those different state yeah. legislature was changing constantly around the, the country. Was changing right. So, but it guys, was, but guys, it was are, are you impossible. really, but are you really telling me that the NFL didn't sit in a room and go, what happens if there's an outbreak on a team? No, they, they watched didn't. it happen with two teams in, in, in MLB and yet here they are not having the rules or the punishments in place to stop something like – or not stop, but be able to, to mitigate what would happen if an outbreak were to occur. I'm not trying to pile on the NFL. It's an impossible hand that they've gotten dealt. They have yeah. to deal with trying to run a business inside of a global pandemic, right? Everybody's going through this. But they watched two sports go inside of a bubble and work flawlessly for their postseason. They watched another sport try – with different rules and different regulations, have teams play in their home ballparks and travel and do all of the all of the things that the NFL was going to try to do. They watched two teams have outbreaks that derailed the Major League Baseball season, and yet here they sit, kind of looking at each other, like, "What are we supposed to do?" Like, Only, I, I'm sorry, I just I can't accept that as an answer. I don't think they are sitting here with looking at each other as you know, saying, "What are we supposed to do?" I think the actual you know the 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 reaction is, "What are they supposed to do?" And Major League Baseball can make up games by playing doubleheaders and, and, and such. The NFL can't. So I'll tell you this. The one thing I wish they would have done, and I know there was many discussions about what the schedule was going to look like, why wouldn't you just have a week 18 where you can move things to naturally? Mm -hmm. you know, and, and who's to say that they can't do that still? And who's to say it's not necessarily on the table right now? You push the Super Bowl back a week. You eliminate, maybe you eliminate the bye week between conference championship and Super Bowl, and you, you save yourself a week there. They've done it in the past. Um, so I, I've, I, you know, I, Chris, it's easy to say that, man, but the NFL is a different animal from all of those other sports. First of all, to bubble everybody up, you have to have the amount of facilities you would need. You're talking about potentially 16 fields. Maybe you play double headers on those, each one of those fields. So now you're looking at, you need at least eight fields to play on. You'd have to, you know, sequester everybody into, into multiple bubbles, maybe similar to what the NHL did. You have to have at least a hotel, a full hotel worth for each team where you can have meeting rooms and you can have your, your, you know, your meals there and you can have you know, a weight room in there. You would have to essentially have 32 training camps put together, but have them within a bubble. I just don't see that as being feasible. I, it, it, I, just, I just don't. Even if you're the National Football League and you have all the amenities you have, Jordan, you tell me, how much room does a team actually need, you know? Maybe you took a over, a, yeah. Maybe you took over a full hotel, and, and that would probably be enough to house everybody, to have a workout area, to have meeting rooms, to have your your meals there. Uh, but you're talking about 32 of those, and then you're gonna have to find enough of them, you know, near each other, to where you can have bubble type atmospheres. But now you're talking about, you know, what fields are you using for practice? You know, it's like it, it's not like the NBA where you can have, oh, we're gonna have two, we're gonna have two main courts, we're gonna have a couple of, uh, you know. Areas where we've got five or six floors for everybody to work out on. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. No. You know what I mean? So the best thing they the, the the best option the NFL would have would be similar to what Major League Baseball has done. Play your regular season the way you do it. We get to the playoffs. Let's make sure we don't lose the most important games that we have. Let's put bubbles together for that. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see the NFL go that route. Maybe the playoffs go into into some type of a bubble format when you get it down to you know half the league, a little less than half the league is playing at that time. But right now, I don't see how you're supposed to do it. I don't know what the NFL, Chris, back to your original point. I know I'm long-winded here, but back to your original point, I don't know what else they were supposed to do 
leading up to the season because the uncertainty of how quickly everything was changing and the logistics of bubbling an NFL a, a league like this, not really realistic, Jordan. One other thing that I want to mention is that, yes, the league, they have a lot on their plate. They're having to think on their, on their toes here. They don't want to punish anybody. They don't want to punish a team for, for having, you know, a COVID outbreak, even though they, they told them, hey, separate, and they found out they were together. They don't want to punish them because that's not a good look for the league anyway. They want these guys to play. They want them, these guys to get healthy and get back out on the field. Um, and so I, I think they're, they have to make an example out of a situation like that where a team – you know, deliberately went out of their way, not disobeying them on purpose, but saying like, Hey man, like screw that. Let's go get a workout in. Like, let's get together. Let's, let's keep staying in touch, man. We got a good thing going. I just want to stay in rhythm. I don't want all these guys going home and, you know, and sitting on the couch and watching Netflix or whatever. So I can see it from their side and I see it from the league side. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. I'll end it with this. If the NFL wasn't considering a postseason bubble before the last 10 days, oh, they certainly better start considering it now and getting this stuff in yeah. place to be able That's to That's way have more it. realistic. That's more yeah, realistic. Yeah, and that, that needs to be on the agenda of Roger Goodell immediately. Coming up next, everybody loves to freak out about a nice preseason poll. So that's what we're going to do as the Pac-12 football preseason poll is out. We'll give you our takes next on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. Gentlemen, let me tell you about Earnhardt Auto Centers yet again, locally owned and operated since 1951. Proud partner of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. 19 Arizona locations. There's one by you, Jordan, out there in Arcadia. There's one out here by me, Gilbert. No matter where you're at in the, uh, in they're the everywhere. Power, they're everywhere. They're the best. 21 dealerships, 17 brands, 19 Arizona locations, as I've mattered. North, south, east, or west, doesn't matter. There's one near you in the valley. They got you covered for that new vehicle you got your eye on. And with the current time, social distancing, hell, we got Chris in Houston right now joining us uh, here, here on the podcast. Jordan's in Arcadia. I got a good setup today, guys. I'm out here in Gilbert. Doesn't matter where you're at, social distancing. Check out the Noble Express option on noble.com. Makes the entire buying process an absolute breeze wherever you're at. They'll bring a vehicle to you to test drive. Jordan, you've done that once before. Uh, yes, the, the, I have. The, the financial application, deliver your new ride to you when the process Noble is over. Express. You don't have to leave your front door at all, Chris. Even that that very oddly decorated best. place you've got out there in Chandler as well. Don't even have to leave it. Uh, you can you can take care of your buying process right there. Noble Needs Express. a woman's touch. <laughs> Noble.com. The Earnhardt Commitment, world-class service, low prices you can't beat. You know it, a name that you uh, you can trust. Look, it's been a 68-year commitment. Here's my 68-year commitment from their family to yours, Jordan. If you're going to buy a car, why would you not go to Earnhardt? Since 1951, they've been doing this, man. They're going to take care of you. They're going to get you the best deal. Go to Earnhardt. Go to Noble.com. Check them out. Mm, that, ain't, that ain't Noble Schubert. Noble, baby. That ain't Noble. <laughs> that ain't Noble Schubert. Now, we made it a really long time into the show today mm-hmm. without you taking a shot at my setup. Now... This is really a visual gimmick that we're running, but I'm going to do it anyway. Great this setup compared to the setup that I have back home. So much better. So for those of yeah, you Yeah, this li- is so, better even yeah, though there's so, just a bed and a bed frame in this for, background. For those of you listening right now, yeah, Schubert's in Houston at a hotel. Jordan's in, in Arcadia, as I keep mentioning, in his beautiful new home. Uh, but Schubert, in the first episode, is in his, his apartment where he That's has set up a nice studio apartment. room, which was very nice Full of you to think of the show to, to you know, put one of your rooms towards the show and make a studio in there. 
But I told him, listen, man, you got to put stuff on the walls. We need something to, to help soundproof this this thing you got going on here. There's so stuff what on the he, walls, all right. What does he choose, Jordan? He's got this like beat up old Mets blanket that looks like it was in his crib 30 years ago. He's oh, got yeah. random like I told him, hey, get some of that, uh, get some soundproofing to put on the walls. You know, the stuff looks kind of like egg cartons, right? You know, buy some of that. He buys the smallest little nine panels and puts them together where it's doing nothing. It's not helping at all. It just looks ugly <laughs> as hell on his wall back there. And he's got like a Phoenix Suns pennant up in the top right corner for no reason whatsoever. It, it's like you mentioned it needs a woman's touch. You're not lying. You're absolutely Schubert, not lying. Schubert, don't let him talk to you like that, man. Call your mom, <laughs> Schubert. I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't going to. Your mom's got Go great ahead. taste. Call your mom. Just get her on, you know, like facetime or zoom or something just say mom what can i do here let's hop on amazon let's take care of me because i'm bringing the quality of the show down by the by the ugly ass nature of my room at home so if i'm comparing where you're at in houston right now and i got yeah, you know, a plus yeah you got two beds there by the way you sharing a room with somebody nope just me you got the two beds you got the dual beds going on yeah. why don't you put them together yeah push them together man make one, one uh, i don't think i could there. do that without hurting something uh but you mentioned that blanket and i wasn't going to bring this up on monday's show but it's mm -hmm. come up again so we'll just go down this road why you're not? talking crap about a blanket that was a gift from my ex-girlfriend's mom which is just makes oh. it even better that you're trashing the blanket rip it off the wall then what the just, hell are you doing no it's a it's a mets blanket man i'm a mets fan. sounds like you're not over it the squad. Right. Yeah. no it's a good blanket <laughs> it, clearly i'm not using it to sleep it's being used to freaking you miss her? soundproof yeah. my you miss room her. yeah let's get through no i do miss not her. miss her i do, do not you miss your her mom <laughs> no he paused on that okay. one I had to think about it. Yeah, he did pause. <laughs> he paused on that one. Okay. Well, they could right. be listening to the show. Hey, and, and by the way, I don't think if you're listening are. to the show, subscribe to the show. Damn it. We got to work on your volume as well. You scream. You're just screaming. modulate everything. Yeah. You know, uh, like, where I, was I? What did I tease before I've, the read and then I the have, room breakdown? I have, I have no Pack idea. 12. That's right. Pack 12. Okay. Yeah. We, we know a thing or two about the Pack 12. And uh, we Glad officially have. <laughs> the Pac-12 football preseason media poll that has Oregon over USC as the favorite. Now, guys, I'm just going to read this to you uh, division uh, by division, and then okay. we can we can break it down as a group. Mm -hmm. They have the North Division, uh, Oregon, Cal, Washington, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State. And then in the South wow. Division, they have USC. They have the Arizona State Sun Devils. Utah, UCLA, Colorado, and Arizona. So for those of you who are writing down, like Jordan Simone on his notepad, Arizona State second in the South Division, and U of A last. Now, Sean, I don't know if Jordan knows this. You gave about seven of these teams overs on their win total, so you probably disagree with <laughs> this poll entirely. Yes. I, I yeah, I don't, no team in the Pac-12 is going to lose a game, according to my over-unders that you put me on the spot with in the previous show. But listen, <laughs> looking at these two, I don't I don't have any any issues with, with the way this lines up. I would probably, let, you know, if I was doing my own poll, more than likely have... If they gave you a vote almost, for this poll? I, almost, yeah, exactly. Almost exactly what this what this came out to be. I mean, USC should be the favorite right now in the South, right? I mean, can we all agree on that? I know we're all yes. Sun Devils, but USC right now should be the favorite until they kick off week one, November 7th. Why should they be the favorite? Talent on that roster right now. I know that recruiting has been down the last couple of years, Jordan, but still talent on the roster, if okay. they can get their shit together, should be number one in the South. Am I wrong? Who's their coach? Who's their head Clay, coach? Well, Clay Helton's still there. Yeah. Okay, there's there. a problem. But but, but Jordan, I, I, I think ASU is going to be better than USC this year. Let's be, so well, you would and flip they play them first week. 
I know that's what I said. So until ASU plays in week one, if ASU wins that football game, 9 a.m. kick, by the way, November 7th, if they win that football game, go ahead and flip those. I mean, I don't think it's a big gap, but I think right now USC probably should be the favorite in the South until Herm and company go to the Coliseum and I, come back with a win. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a homer, right? I'm a Sun Devil. I got the helmet no, you sitting right homer? back there. What? Um, you know what? I just I look at ASU's roster defensively. I think that's where they're they're going to be really special this year. I, I thought they were going to make a big jump last year defensively, but what I like is Marvin Lewis becoming the defensive coordinator and saying we're out with a three three five. We're going back to four three. We're gonna we're gonna play. Look in the NFL, the what works in the NFL is good on good, nothing gimmicky. The three three five is gimmicky. You're sending people from different areas, and it works. It works for a couple of years until teams figure it out. It's the same sure. thing with me. When I was at ASU with Todd Graham blitzing around, people found out how to beat the blitz that we were sending every, every uh, you know, we were, we were blitzing every play, basically. And so with the 3-3-5, they, they figured that out. And Danny Gonzalez is a great coach. But Marvin Lewis getting into this 4-3 or 3-4, I, I think they're running a 4-3, but get back to basics. They've got talent all over that roster. Their two corners might be the best that Arizona State's seen in the last 10 years since I've been there. Then they have two safeties, both with two years of starting. Their linebacking core is absolutely legit. Their defensive line has still got some work to do, but I think they're going to be a lot better. So I, I look at that defense and I go, man, if, if they can get comfortable in that system and play hard and, and just play fast, they're going to be really special. They've got a lot of experience, which I think, uh, which I think trumps everything is the experience. You know, you, you go from a first-year player to a second-year to a third-year. Now you've got three years starting. Merlin Robertson, Darian Butler. I mean, Kyle Soley's even got some some uh, experience under his belt. Then you look at the – I mean, it's, it's the, the defense is stupid. And then Jaden Daniels, of course, who's already being talked about as a first-rounder, which I'm hearing from NFL scouts. They're already targeting Jaden Daniels as a first-rounder when he's draft eligible. So they're going to be a special team. Yes, USC's talented. They always are. But their, their head coach – is going to kill them. They're gonna they're gonna underperform this year. You said over what was it five wins? I'm saying under. They're gonna underperform. Clay Helton's out, and uh, they're gonna get a big time head coach in there next year. I, I'll give Clay Helton the benefit of the doubt based on what they did in the back half of their schedule last year. Is that fair? I mean, yeah. they, were, they were able yeah, to. for sure. They were able to right the ship last year. You know, so um, yeah. I don't think it's a big. Keaton gap. Slovis is legit. He's yeah. he's a real deal quarterback. He's yeah. he's gonna be a big time too. I think I think Jaden's pissed off this year. Should I think be. a lot of I think he got he felt like he kind of got screwed out of freshman offensive player of the year. Um, I think he's he's got a lot to uh, be excited about. He's put on a lot of weight this year. I think he's put on over 20 pounds. He's Me still too. skinny. Me too. So he still good. looks skinny, but, um, you know, he doesn't look like you, Sean, but he, he's he's you know, he's athletic. He, he doesn't have your build, but he, he looks good. Uh, but I, I, and, I have and no I'll, problems with the order. Go ahead, Chris. And I'll defer to you, Jordan, because you played football and I didn't. But in, in, in the collegiate level, it certainly feels that you're always going to defer to the team that is able to adjust, right? That's able to weather the storm. That's able to deal with all of the things that are being thrown at them. And this year, all of these teams are dealing with things that they've never dealt with before, right? This is a unique situation that we all find ourselves in. And maybe, again, this is me being a homer. But I feel like I'm going to defer to the school that has coaches with NFL experience who have dealt with things on a whole nother magnitude 
at the next level, right? That certainly feels like something that could tip the scale in ASU's yeah. direction over the course of the season is they have a guy that's going to talk to those players every week in Herm Edwards. They have a guy every week that's going to talk to those players in Antonio Pierce. Marvin Lewis have been like, guys, I know this is a unique situation, but we've been there. We've done that. We know how to go through something like this that's going to have ups yeah. and downs. It's going to be weird. That's going to be a bumpy road. We know how to get it done, right? Am, am, I, am I wrong in yeah. thinking that? Yeah. No, you know, it, help them. I think what you're looking for is help them be professional. Help them yes. keep the main thing the main thing. Um, and that's something that it's that's a huge benefit to those players is because, look, I was talking to somebody I work with uh, even today about Mississippi State and how they beat LSU and that big win. And I said, don't be surprised if they lose the next game because you're talking about 18 to 22 year olds that are really emotional up and down. When you have a big win like that, it's tough to come back the next week, refocus, relock in. But I think that's where you give the edge to ASU and that coaching staff that's professional that will show up every every Monday after a weekend uh, uh, game and say, hey, nothing matters anymore. Great win. We're back to business, man. And help them clear their mind of what happened, whether it was a win or a loss, and show up ready to play and ready to practice hard. It's a huge advantage. And I'll also mention that ASU wasn't left out of this completely. They got two votes to win the South, and they got one of those people who I think voted them to win the South is probably the lone person who voted them as the Pac-12 football championship game winner. Uh, Oregon ran away with that one, 21 votes, uh, USC 15, and then both Arizona State and Utah got one. Oregon's going to be special. Uh, I think... What really hurts them is is losing their uh, their offensive lineman Penny Sewell, who is going to be a top three pick in the NFL draft. I mean, he he already said he's out. I think that hurts their team. I think that hurts their offensive line unit. They've got so much talent on that team. They've been able to recruit so heavily. Um, they've got a new quarterback, Tyler Shutt. He's been there for uh, a year, I believe, and everyone says he's special. I know a coach that's that's on that uh, staff at Oregon. He says. He's, he's probably better than Herbert was last year. And they, if, you know, if everything was objective, they probably would have started Tyler Shubb because he had a better camp. He had better this. But at the end of the day, you don't know how somebody's going to perform until he gets on that field and does it. So does he take three games to, to get really right? Do they take a loss here or there? Um, are they a legit contender in the playoff? I don't think so. Not yet. Their defense is going to be special. They've got some talent on that defense, especially. Um, Oregon's going to be a, a very threatening team to a lot of people in the Pac-12, but I think that a young quarterback with no experience, anything can happen. Yeah, and, and we'll just have to see because I think we talked about it with the NFL, and it's a unique situation for everybody. We've never seen anything like this where you're playing a shortened schedule, you're not starting yeah. on time, you're going to have to deal with all of this weird stuff that's going to be happening over the course of the season. I mean, we mentioned I was critical of the NFL for what their procedures are. I mean, the NCAA is probably going to have issues, right? And the Pac-12 might yeah. run into some problems where they're going to have to deal with stuff like this. So it, as you said, Jordan, when you're dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds, it's up and down, it's a roller coaster, and even more so when you're dealing with something like a global pandemic. It just kind of changes yeah. the equation a, a little bit uh, for everybody. As we wrap up, guys, the first episode with the three of us together, Jordan, so glad that you could make it and shut Sean Crespin up talking all that smack on Monday <laughs> about you being soft, Somebody had to do not it. having a team-first hey, mentality. I I'm never just said glad that. that you came I here. I never said that. I just said, listen, you can't make the club in the tub. It was the first No, you show. called them soft. It was the first you show. called them soft. We can find the audience. You did. 
Yeah, you did. I remember. See, even Jordan, I wrote it down in my dream soft. journal. It may have been your dream journal. It may have just been <laughs> an, an, an emotional reaction of my own. Um, you know, but uh, no, we're glad you're back, dude. We're glad you're doing okay. Hey, Do, you know what? I'm, right. I'm really excited to uh, to be doing this with you guys, man. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to this journey. If you're listening to this show right now and you want your company to be her or to be you know talked about, <laughs> hit us up on LinkedIn, Twitter. <laughs> Gmail, Facebook, Jordan. MySpace, whatever you want to do. No, I mean, it, seriously, we want yep. we want people to be able to advertise their companies on here. And you're helping mm-hmm. out three guys that are all working hard in the pandemic and trying to make ends meet. So also subscribe to the Denning podcast, man, and leave a review. Leave a review. Hey, next I'll come through next, this camera on Friday show. Can you do the whole show with your Seahawks helmet on as we preview the NFL weekend? Can you do the whole show <laughs> with that on there? He's gonna put it. He's gonna do it right now. He's going to put on the helmet, and while he does that, I'll let everybody know because Jordan asked you to just to subscribe to the Snap podcast. It up, baby. You can find cool. it in a whole bunch of different places. Uh, Anchor, which is where we host our podcast, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Is now everybody's wearing a helmet. Sean's got a Raider helmet on. Simone's got the Seahawks helmet on. I didn't bring a helmet with me to Houston. There's some. There's nothing that I can put on here. But like I said, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. You can find it everywhere. We tweet out the link all the time. Uh, you can follow the show at Noble underscore Podcast. You can follow me at Shoe Radio. Crespin, I think I remember yours at S Crespin zero two. And it. Simone, I have no idea what your Twitter handle is, so you're just gonna have to tell the people. Jordan Simone thirty eight. See, I knew it was Simone 38. I just didn't know if Jordan was in there or not, and I didn't want to make yep. a, a fool of myself. All right. Uh, so, guys, hey, I, I, I'm going to dump some news on you here right at the tail end of the show. I'm not here on the Friday show, so you're going to have to you're get a nice oh, little right? picture of me. You're going to have to put me in a little box. I'm gonna you're I'm, uh, I have an undisclosed illness that's going to keep me out uh, of uh, Friday's What's show. Friday? No, I just don't want to hear your trash talk against the Jets. So uh, I'm mm. uninterested in that. No, gotcha. I'm not going to be here. Uh, I have some business to attend. Hey, to who's on the Thursday in, night in game tomorrow? That would be. Oh, we a got good the game. Bears and the Bucks. Yeah, Bears and Bucks. Bears and Bucks. That's a better Thursday game than football. what they have been in the past. The past three Thursday yes. games have been just like so boring. Like watching paint drive, terrible. The teams that they have, at least the games have actually not been terrible. On that note, right. on that note, yeah, on that note, that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of No Bull with Chris Cressman and Simone. We'll talk to you on Friday. Subscribe.